Okay, welcome everybody. Here we are for another episode of Film Shots. Film Shots, y'all. And this is Joel Marshall, and this is my partner, Jesse Rines. How y'all doing? The good doctor. And we are lucky enough to be here today with editor extraordinaire, Tom uh, Rolfe. Excellence, here, Tom here. Rolfe. <laughs> so Tom Rolfe, we're here in his home, uh, enjoying ourselves. He's been very uh, gracious to have us over today. And we're going to learn a little bit about editing and hear what he has to say. That's right. Editing um, is something that um, you just asked us about, actually. If we edit this um, after we do it, and I would say, no, we don't. And perhaps when this is over, you can tell us whether or not we should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try not to be too verbose. And, uh, no, we... Answer whatever question you got. Well, I, I guess... Um, one question that, that I have has to do with the way you, you see editing. You edit um, big films, um, and these are films that are very well known, get distributed all over the world. And I'd like to know what your vision is. When you come to a film, do you separate that film from all of the other films you've ever ever made and focus on that, or is there a theme that seems to run through your film work? I don't think there's a theme. I think that I never accept an assignment unless I read the script and like the script and like the cast and like the, the whole uh, the whole adventure because um, it's very likely it can take nine to ten months or a year of your life. And why work on something you're not really enthusiastic about if it's going to take that long? Sometimes, in fact, one film I was on was 17 months. Uh, so uh, it's, I'm very particular as to what I choose. And uh, not that the films end up being necessarily what I read at the very beginning, because mm -hmm. uh, scripts have a way of morphing into something else by the time you finish, for any number of reasons. But I do uh, prefer to read everything and be sure and see exactly what I'm getting into. Uh, each story is, is different, uh, uh -huh. and so therefore the arc of the story has to be told with different pacing and different uh, accent uh, points and so on. So each film kind of stands on its own. I mean, uh -huh. I've done comedies, uh, <laughs> at least a couple of weren't supposed to be, but I guess they but I've done comedy, I've done dramatics and, and mystery and, and, and that kind of stuff. So each film kind of changes where, you, where your focus is. When do you usually come aboard on a film? Is it before day, shooting? Usually, or? no, usually it's day one of shooting. Day one of shooting. And there's been a couple of times over the years that I've been brought on like a week ahead of time or even two weeks ahead of time to discuss the, the uh, coverage mm -hmm. of the uh, different sequences. Uh, if it's a foreign location or something, just to get comfortable in the in the surroundings of where I'm going to be working and the people who are my support team and so on, who's mm -hmm. the translator. So it varies, but by and large, it's the first day of shooting. And are you on on the set? Are yeah. you involved in that at all? You got to drag me kicking and screaming really? to the set. I uh, I'm not a big fan of being on the set for the simple reason that I I get very frustrated sitting around watching. Uh, you know, 85 other people sitting around two and three people work and doing yeah. anything. Mm -hmm. right. Thank you, my dear. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that noise was, that's a cup of tea being placed in front of me. Uh, and who is, it, who is it placed in front of you by? It's my beautiful, gorgeous wife. Oh, Ow, yes. Oh, <laughs> she wasn't supposed to hit you for that. <laughs> uh, wow, she just look at that. Make sure I didn't forget. 
Thank you. In any case, uh, well, you you yeah. said that um, on location, and lo location doesn't have to be. It, it's anywhere, anywhere the film is actually shot. The story's told, right? Right, yeah. but you also on on a couple of um, um, films at least came in to work on the storyboard with the um, director, right? You, not so much working on the storyboard, but that's that's to give certain suggestions mm -hmm. and to make sure that certain areas were well covered. Um, so that we had enough choices to either shorten it later or mm -hmm. to you know not get cut or put ourselves in the corner where we had nothing to cut away to to, to increase uh, increase pace and, and tempo and so on. So yeah, on that level, um, I in fact throughout the entire shooting procedure, when called upon, I would make my suggestions or my thoughts known so that the director would know. But then we also would have meetings before we even started shooting. Right. When I was hired, or when I expressed interest in doing the film, uh, I was quizzed usually why and etc. You know, so uh, why we, you would uh, want to do the film? Why, yeah. And so there's uh -huh. a meeting of the minds and uh, of uh, what the whole project's going to be. That's really interesting to me. So this meeting of of the minds, you're you're not coming on as a lone wolf that's isolated and out at the end of the film. You get a bunch of footage. They really want you included at the beginning right. in order to to add, um, I, don't, I don't know. Collaboration? What is, is it collaboration a to collaborative be a part of, to make it a team effort to yeah, develop the vision? Because don't forget, filmmaking is definitely a collaborative uh, art form. Mm -hmm. No question about that. Uh, you need a, uh, a top gun, would be you know the, the, the director or something. But it, basically, um, his responsibility is to make sure he gets all the coverage he needs to tell the story that he's contracted to to uh, to do. Can I interrupt for a second? Because sure. um, um, I want to make sure that we that the, the people we're talking with, who, and these are emerging filmmakers, so they're right. brand new. Okay. Um, what do you mean when you say coverage, and how does one make sure, ensure that they get the coverage that's needed? Coverage means all the film that's shot to represent all the emotion, all the drama, all the physical activity uh, in the scene as described by the, the writer. Mm -hmm. And so that there's enough camera angles to be able to, to uh, change the focus, points of focus to accentuate certain dialogue perhaps or to certain physical, uh, uh, be it violence or just uh, physical activity. Mm -hmm. So you have enough to have make the choices. The worst thing is to sell yourself short at the beginning and say, oh, yeah, we don't need that. We can, And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. six months down the line, you're sitting in the cutting room saying, what the hell am I going right. to do now? So that's essentially what I mean by coverage. There was something like that that happened to you with, with Taxi Driver, wasn't it? Where, uh, Well, strangely enough, one of the yeah, more famous American films in the last few years is Taxi Driver. And I was responsible for that area of the film where uh, De Niro says, uh, you talking to me, you talking to me, and became a kind of a, a signature saying in, in film. And people would comment on it and say, what a brilliant uh, piece of film and filmmaking. And, so on. and, and I, I, I tell everyone who questions me uh, that I had no other options. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> it is cut the way it is because that's the coverage that I had by Marty Scorsese to represent that sequence. The fact that it works is uh, lucky for, for, for everybody, but it no, no small uh, 
no small amount of credit to Marty Scorsese and Bob De Niro. And yeah, but you were able to, to piece that together, and well, everyone yeah. talks about everyone that, does. you know, all, all over the world. Yeah. Now, is Martin Scorsese, is he the kind of guy that will just shoot what he wants, or does he shoot less coverage, do you think, than more other directors? You know, I have not seen Marty, and mm -hmm. or spoken with him now in so many years, and, and there was a time when I, I did a New York, New York with him as well uh, many years ago. And then I got a call to do, to see if I was available. I didn't, didn't, didn't mean that um, I turned it down because I didn't. Raging Bull. Mm -hmm. And I've always been sorry I never got to work on that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was doing another film at the time, so I wasn't available. And uh, once he got together with Thelma Schumacher, who was a wonderful editor, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't pry them apart anymore because they're, they're, uh, they're meant for each other. And she's brilliant. Um, uh, what was the question? Um, the question is, does he oh, shoot, does he shoot less coverage? Yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, Marty shoots, I think, he's a very, as emotional a man as he is, he is uh, he's a consummate filmmaker. He knows what he should have. Whether he thinks he might use it or not, he's smart enough to protect himself to get the extra coverage so that later mm -hmm. we're in trouble. Now, going back to the taxi driver, uh, I was not on that film at the very beginning. I mm -hmm. came in to help uh, because a, a release date was uh, impending and had eight weeks to do the movie total. Eight weeks to cut it, to mm. score, the, score it, to uh, dub it. to wow. So we had a horrible time crunch. And we couldn't go back and, and just sit there and, and, and play around with add a frame there or take a frame off and try to make... We just had to go and, and cut when we could. Mm -hmm. And it was just grace of God that everything pulled together the way it did. At that time, they pr they didn't have test audiences, I would think. No. Yeah, focus. Is that, has that changed this. editing a lot? Unfortunately, it's, yes. Yeah. In what way? Well, because I think focus groups, there's always, they're usually comprised of 20, you know, 20 people. And uh, once they are selected as a uh, member of that focus group, they feel that they are absolutely mandated to make some kind of criticism oh, I see. because okay. if they're not if, mm -hmm. if you're going to be selected you better say something mm -hmm. and then you have the marketing people who are also sitting and listening to this so one person out of the 20 might say something what I would consider just ludicrous but the marketing people might say oh maybe that's a section of the audience that we, we should look out for and therefore we mm -hmm. should not do so and so and, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden you get an edict coming from up high saying where the woman says so-and-so or raises her skirt, cuts the sun down, and you say, mm -hmm. get out of here. That's not the film we're making. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the, some mm -hmm. idiot in the audience mm -hmm. saying what he thinks. So there's a lot of <laughs> give and take, mostly, yeah, give. Well, is, is that a, a war, then, between the art of filmmaking and the business of filmmaking? After all, these films are being made by companies. Yeah. Many of them, oftentimes, these are, are companies that are owned by Wall Street firms. That's right. So their real focus is on mo making money. You bet. So they are at war with you as an as an artist. There is there is a <laughs> there's a lot of uh, I'm not going to say hostility, but there is mm -hmm. certainly a lot of uh, jockeying for position, and we mm -hmm. try to get our point of view across, and they try to get their point of view across. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a money making business; otherwise, we wouldn't make films at all. Right. The mm -hmm. government doesn't do it like many other foreign countries mm -hmm. where they have their uh, their, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, the film societies yeah. and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but so you have this problem. I think that the focus groups, the way it used to be, and uh, being an old fart, 
we used to finish the film, finished it entirely, cut the negative when we had to cut negative, uh, score it uh, and make the uh, the titles and take it out to preview in some uh, little hamlet somewhere or mm -hmm. out of the state and see what the audience thought, sometimes with cards, sometimes with not, just getting a feeling of the miasma of the people in the audience, mm -hmm. you know, when they... And you could feel the audience moving and, and, and they losing attention. You see people get up and get popcorn. Right. So you just kind of sense it. And having had that experience, you then go back and, and you correct what you thought you could, what you could do. Mm -hmm. um, rarely do you go back and reshoot something because of the expense and are the actors even available anymore, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, uh, it was a different way. You recut the negative and went out and showed the film. That's what it was. That's, that's what you had. Now, you would recut the actual negative, the original yeah. that you shot in the camera. Yeah. And then you might have to recut that negative again. Again, yeah. And you, by doing that, you, had, you learned uh, how to, to jury-rig certain things. You'd, maybe you had to cut away to somebody else when, for the dialogue to go over them while you came back to them. Just a way of, of manipulating the mm -hmm. film, which is part of film editing, of course. Yeah. Um, but it becomes problematical sometimes if you could or go back to what you had before if the revision didn't work. You wow! Understand. Yeah! Wow! So uh, there were there were considerations, um, and they they had also back in those days they had uh, think what the heck was it called technoscope, and technoscope was a two sprocket frame. The normal film frame was four sprockets. Mm -hmm. Which is what you see normally in the. Right, it's on 35 millimeter film. On 35 millimeter film, it's a, a four sprocketed frame. With technoscope, they made it into a two sprocket. So you had an elongated picture, mm -hmm. and you saved uh, approximately you saved uh, 50 percent oh. of your negative cost. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, that was a false economy because <laughs> uh, you, it created all kinds of other problems because there was no machinery invented as of yet to splice film together that only had a two sprocket mm -hmm. uh, uh, frame. Mm -hmm. So if you cut the film, you let, you lost more than one frame. It, it, I'm getting a little too technical. For, no, no, for no, no, no. Actually, you yeah. know, like, we've got, this is a filmmaking audience. Right. Or, you know, like, these okay. people want to know this stuff. Okay. Well, in those days, like I said, the technoscope, it, it, uh, it had a, a life of about three years, I think, and then it went mm -hmm. down. It, uh, didn't mm -hmm. prove practical. But getting back to the, your original question uh, of focus groups, uh, I, I think that they are more a deterrent than a uh, help. But I'll argue against myself. Uh, there are certain films that I have, I have never worked on any of them, but they are so focused on such a narrow part of the audience. In other words, they are written for, let's say, a 14 to 16-year-old girls or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, because right. of puberty and and that's the focus of it. And, then, and, and there's, no, there's no lineation. That's the mm -hmm. whole thing. Well, it doesn't interest me because it is no longer a, uh, a true life experience. It's only a little focused element of a vignette of a life mm -hmm. or something. But in that case, I see where the marketing is, you know, it focuses only on that, on that level. Right. So the humor is that level, the, the dialogue, the, the, the wardrobe, it's, mm -hmm. that's what it is. Right. Let me say, um, before we um, go on too far, a, a little bit of um, housekeeping in a yeah. sense. Um, Joel and I usually have film bites that we offer at the end of um, a program where we make suggestions right. for what a filmmaker might do 
immediately next week, this week, in order to improve his um, um, work. So we'd invite you, if you'd like to throw in a film bite, give you a, a, some the, time to ruminate, but you, don't, you certainly show. don't have to okay, do that. Right, well, yeah, we do that. If something comes along. Yeah, I'll, if something comes along. Too happy to, yeah. Great, great. I wanted to ask a question about the script. When you go into the editing room, how much do you look at the script, or do you not look at the script at that point? I hate, I hate at the risk of sounding arrogant, mm -hmm. I don't look at the script at yeah. all. I know what the story is, mm -hmm. I know what the mm -hmm. intent is, and I know what I have to work with. So what the script says means literally nothing. Wow. Because, what? Uh, but you, 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 the, the reality is I got this woman saying this line, I got this guy saying this line, and whatever the looks and so on, that's, that's something I got to figure out with the, with the film I have. I believe that there are four, four separate films made. One is the, not, not necessarily made, but considered. There is the one that is uh, um, conceived, mm -hmm. then is the one that's written, then there's the one that's shot, and then ultimately where the rubber hits the road, as it were, it's the one that's cut. Mm -hmm. Because once you get in the cutting room, that's where the film is made. Mm -hmm. You can stay on location for months or years, whatever, shoot everything you have, but in the cutting room is where you have to deal with the reality of what you have and don't have. Mm -hmm. Right, but so, then you you also have after that you'll have your cut of it, which is that first one, and then the director comes in and wants a different cut, and then you get into the arguments. Does the with director the come in, or does the director stay there the, most of the time? How does well, it work? it it's changing because mm -hmm. now with the electronic editing, uh, where I came up and I learned as you know when I started, you had an eight year rule rule uh, in the editing guild saying that you had to work eight years as either an apprentice or an assistant or a music editor or a sound effects editor or something, but some, you could not be a film editor. So at the end of eight years, I mean, you can be a doctor before that. <laughs> then you, you could be a film editor, but then you had to go out and get a job. Yeah. And then they said, well, what have you cut? And you said, well, no, I've been an assistant. <laughs> it was a uh, catch-22 situation, yeah. as, as they say. So I got lucky by working for a company that uh, made the old Rifleman yeah. television series. Mm -hmm. And the Big Valley and things like that. Leave and it to Beaver, even. Oh, leave it to Beaver. I did leave That's it to right. Beaver. That's right, leave it to Beaver. I was right. in Wagon trade. This All right. Is, I did some amazing stuff. So uh, finally they gave me a, a, a break to cut one of the episodes of Big Valley and also to work on a mm -hmm. feature they made in the summertime. You were supervisor on Big Valley, Big weren't Valley you? Big Valley for about three there? years, mm -hmm. yeah. And that was a little strange because I had people way older and much more experienced, but uh, it, it, they worked out all right. Mm -hmm. um, where were we? Um, you were talking about the, um, I, well, actually, it's what I wanted to know you were getting into, how you got into the, 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 the business. Because of, of the director. The my yeah, recollection yeah. is you started out very young as a, a ski instructor or something. Oh, man. I, I, <laughs> no, I didn't, I, when I got out of the, I spent a few years in the Marine Corps and then uh, came out and didn't know what I wanted to do at all. But my dad, my stepdad, he was a... Uh, a uh, contract director at MGM. Mm -hmm. It's John Donahue. No, Jack. Jack John, Donahue. John F., yeah, John, mm -hmm. Jack Donahue. And uh, so I looked around, I said, you know, he had a nice house and drove a nice car, and I said, well, geez, you know, maybe I should try to do the same thing. So I asked him, look, if, how do I become a director? At, mm -hmm. and, and he directed, by uh, back in those days, the old Red Skelton uh, mm -hmm. comedy shows and that kind of stuff. So he said if he had it to do over again, he would try to be a film editor first. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant or what a film editor was or did or anything. 
And he said, look, uh, no one ever tries to make a bad film. Everybody tries to make the best film they can, depending on what the money is and the people they have working with them and so on. So you get the best writer you can get, who you can afford, the best actors you can afford, the best producer, the best this, best that, best editor, you can, and cameraman, and right down the line. And who's the guy who gets the film the next day, the first one that sees anything and everything of what was done? The film editor. Right. He says, if no other reason, you just through osmosis you learn what's good and what's bad. That's mm. so, made sense. And I tried to get a job as an apprentice, took a long time, about a year before I finally became an apprentice. At, his, at a place called Review Productions, which made Leave it to Beaver. Right. Anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a couple of years, I became an assistant. And then um, uh, I went to Europe for a while because they used to have a, a, a uh, group system, too. You were group one, two, or three. Mm -hmm. The uh, most junior being a group three. So, therefore, all people who were group three had to be working before you could get oh, a wow. job. And, it, and yeah, that doesn't exist wow. anymore, thank God. Because then, then you had to go to group two, and then group one, mm -hmm. and then finally you get a job. So I went to Europe, um, ended up spending uh, oh, about almost two years there, picking up little jobs and working on pictures. And Is that what a lot of group three people did? or is Not that really, that not because there wasn't that many jobs in Europe either. And, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. I was, well, I could speak Swedish because that's where I was born, mm -hmm. uh, up to a point anyway. I had the vocabulary of an eight and a half year old. Certainly better than mine. But in any case, when I came back, I uh, went to work for the, uh, this company that I mentioned before, Big Valley and, and, and uh, Rifleman. And when my eight years were up, they had already programmed me to be uh, one of the okay. editors. And then they made some uh, feature films in the uh, summertime when the rest of the when the company was shut down for you know just the summer. Uh, uh, what do you call the summer time? Yeah, the, when all the hiatus. reruns are hiatus. Right. And on the strength of that, uh, things just gradually came along. I got a couple of good pictures, and Taxi Driver being one a mm -hmm. few years later, and then mm -hmm. that's how it all started. Well, the, the range of films that you have worked on is, is absolutely uh, amazing. One amazing. of the ones that I'm uh, curious about that I really enjoy is Jacob's Ladder. My favorite film. Yeah, is yeah. that your favorite? Yeah. That's a great one. Of the ones one. I've worked on, yeah, yeah. That, that's mm -hmm. my favorite film. And, and one of my best experiences, and I think of, with a director that I really enjoyed. Uh, Adrian Lin? Adrian Lyne. Lyne, is yeah. that how yeah. um, Can you tell us something about that process, what that was like? Well, it was a script that, re that was around for many years, and no one knew how to make it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was considered to be one of the ten best scripts around that, was unproducible because mm. of the subject matter, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And Adrian thought that he had a way to, to do it. And uh, we, yeah, we, took, we, we shot it back in New York and came back here and, and cut it here in L.A. And we had, it's just such, you have to see the movie. One has to see the movie to understand the, mm -hmm. the, the, the degree of, of emotion that people... Uh, that it generated in people. So some people hated it, some people absolutely loved it. Because it's a very disturbing film, and it took guts for somebody to just to make it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Tim Robbins was brilliant. Mm -hmm. and, uh, nobody knows him, but... Uh, well, some people don't, but what's his name in Home Alone? Um, Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay, yeah. Awesome. It was one of his first pictures, and he played the son 
to Tim Robbins in that movie, and yet you will never see his name in anywhere in the titles or the hmm. end roll-up or anything. Really? Yeah. And we Elizabeth Pena also is a wonderful actress. Who? Elizabeth Pena. Oh, yeah. yeah that she was plays her his wife. Yeah. She does a great job in that, too. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite pictures. You said the Macaulay Culkin's name wasn't in the credits? No, no credits what happened all. was his father was then his agent or controlled the kid's uh, professional... Uh, Film career, and he became so obnoxious. He wanted to, he wanted McCauley's name to be on top, you know, above the title, oh, wow. along with Tim Robbins. Wow! Wow! And of course, nobody's going to. No. no, no <laughs> should, you know, you want to get out of here. That's a tip, folks. Yeah. Um, be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be reasonable. Exactly. So uh, the end result was that he got nothing. <clears throat> Not that he needed it. Ultimately, you know, he became a big name right. on his yeah. own right. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, I I think um, I want to cheat a little because I want to. Ask my um, film bite now because this ties into some other things I w want to ask uh, um, Tom. But um, this whole notion of filmmakers must be able to kill their babies. Um, do you know what, what, what that phrase means? Well, yeah, you better be able to cut your own work. Yeah, it means things that you love, the, 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 those yeah, little right. pieces of film that yeah. you think it, you know, the sound is great, the lighting is yeah, perfect, yeah. but if they don't work with the story, yep. you have to sacrifice them. That's right. Well, that's a good film bite. I like that one. That's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's yeah. a tough one. Kill your babies. Kill that's your why babies, they say yeah. it. And you will see, in that vein, mm -hmm. when I start a film and you're you're anxious to start putting something together because you have nothing to work with until the first couple of sequences come in and then you start cutting those sequences together and so on. And if you have, let's say, a rather elaborate uh, first sequence that they shoot for two or three days and you've got to wait for the dailies to come in and, you, mm -hmm. and then you sit there and you put it together and you do this and you do that and you overlap the dialogue on that and you maybe put a little music and see it. And you, 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 you kind of polish this one scene. And you think you've really done a good job, and you have. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've done a good job, and, and you, you can say and look at it proud, and it all works the way you thought it should work, and everything. And then you take that scene, you put it aside until you, you need that. Let's say it's scene number sixty-five or something. Mm -hmm. And now you go back and put other pieces together, and maybe two months down down the line, you now have scene sixty-four come in, and you grab scene sixty-five and you put it in where it should be. And you run it within the context of what you have before and what's after. It comes after, and you say, "What was I thinking? That doesn't work at all. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen." So you go back and rip it apart and, and and put it back together the way it flows into the 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 the, the yeah the, the arc of the story. Mm -hmm. But in terms of many directors who are very visually oriented, uh, not story oriented, but visually oriented, and I'm not going to uh, name any names, they will insist on having a shot in there because it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you don't need the, the, the it shot. Just, work, it yeah. puts a piece of punctuation into something where you don't want punctuation. Right. Mm -hmm. And you got to fight like a toy. And it's your responsibility as the editor, if you have to really get an argument, get in an argument. Mm -hmm. um, because you have to protect the integrity of the movie, at least your, of your own uh, uh, sense right. of integrity. I yeah. would imagine so also when someone looks at a film, you look at them, you look at it from different perspectives. And like you were saying, like the, 
like movies will have a rhythm to it, and someone might not be looking at the rhythm of the yeah. movie. They might look be looking at something mm -hmm. completely different, like how beautiful the shots are, and then all of a sudden it's destroyed the rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, do you find that sometimes you get um, there are contentious situations between you and a director? I mean, you don't have to name any names or anything. No, but no, that contentious. If you let it go that far, that is that's not very productive uh -huh. at all. One thing about because you're dealing with egos, mm -hmm. mine as well. I mean, the editor's right. uh, ego as well as the director's. Mm -hmm. Um, you you have to be a bit of a diplomat. You really have to be uh, a, a degree of diplomacy would be mm -hmm. well served in a cutting room because you're not only dealing with the director, you're you're dealing with the director's wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean I'm going to extreme. Right. Now, no, uh, that's true. You, yeah. know, you might you go home and then come back mm -hmm. and say, you know what, I think we should exactly. cut this. Exactly. Or the right. producer and the pr although I, yeah, I say this uh, a degree of arrogance. Nobody in the cutting room. You know, everybody out of the cutting room. Cutting room is my office. Mm -hmm. Projection room is where we discuss it. You know. Well, that doesn't work any longer, as I said, with the, with the yeah. new uh, editing systems where you, everything is done right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. What I do to protect myself on that level is I'll make, I'll make my version the way I, I know I, I think it should be. Mm -hmm. And then if the director has his version, fine. But then I say, now look at what I did and look what you So he mm -hmm. hasn't... At least right. I have a place where a format where I can show him what I think mm -hmm. without attacking him on the You're right. right. Um, Non-destructive editing is something yeah. that has yeah. changed. I think the face of filmmaking in that oh, you can somebody can take your project and just go. Let me play around with it for a little yeah. while, mm -hmm. and then they can just take a scene and yeah. totally change it without losing the original thing. Like you were saying, yeah, that must change a yeah. lot. Yeah, we we've had. Uh, pictures where we used to back in the 80s you could make a um, a dupe mm -hmm. make a, a tape of your cut so you had something to refer back to mm -hmm. prior to that we had what they call black and white uh, um, sound dupes which like New York New York mm -hmm. was made before taping was uh, uh, a possibility mm -hmm. so there is no longer any copy of the four and a half hour first cut of New York mm -hmm. New York which is a pity because it was a brilliant, brilliant movie. Wow. I mean, it was stunning. But that's uh, at least 45 minutes or so that's gone forever and we'll yeah. never find it again, you know? That's really too bad. It is. It, it is. really is. Do you think, I find at least um, from the little bit of editing that I've done, that, that uh, decision making is a little bit tougher because you have so, so much material to work with and then there it's so easy to make a change mm -hmm. that I find that I find myself just kind of focusing on one little thing or or maybe uh, having too many choices do you, do you find that that's yeah but if you look if you read the scene or you look at the dailies mm -hmm. and when I look at the, look at dailies which I always do um, even though I'm, I'm cutting now on a habit or something mm -hmm. I run the, every every take everything that's printed everything I run it all and then I sit there, and maybe I'll do it maybe two or three times. And the, the film will tell me how to cut it. It'll just, it'll eventually just say, uh-huh, there's a little look that in that, to, to be at that, on that person for that look, I have to be overlap the dialogue from that side to the blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. it's, it's a house of cards mm -hmm. that you kind of start putting together. Mm -hmm. um, That's so interesting. My dad is probably about your age, and he um, is a sculptor. Uh -huh. And he says the same thing. He says the metal informs me of where, where to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, I remember least. what Michelangelo said about a block of marble. All he does is release the form that's yeah. already in there. Well, just get rid wow. of the piece you don't need. Mm -hmm. Right. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> that's pretty good. Cool. I like that. Uh, <laughs>
Yeah, cutting is, it is, and I say with a uh, degree of pride, that in the cutting room is where the film is made, no matter what anybody tells you. Right. Collectively, uh, it's not a single decision. Mm -hmm. It's a collaborative uh, art, as I said. Well, but the cutting room is the most exciting place to be, and I, I, when I'm not there, I miss it terribly. Mm -hmm. I want to ask just a couple of technical questions. I'm, unfortunately, I think we're going to run out of time. We're well, we're already um, over time, and well, I think that it's okay, personally. Yeah, I think um, so, too. Um, I, uh, just, just go... Yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask one little thing. Go ahead. You worked with um, someone else on the right stuff, or was was that just you? No, 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 right stuff. There was five of us. We five of We had a basketball team on that game. <clears throat> Did each of you get an Oscar for that? Yeah. yeah wow. It was, it was a team effort, mm -hmm. and we each got an Oscar. Um, one man retired right in the middle. He, he just couldn't do it anymore. Wow. We were cutting up in San Francisco, and he just... You must have had a lot of material on there. We had a tremendous think. amount of material, and as it winnowed down, when we got down to the, towards the end of it, it was just two of us working on it, but five people had been involved with it all the way through, so there was no way to say... You only did this much, so you don't. You you only right. get half an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Everybody got an Oscar, wow. and um, yeah, it was a uh, yeah. That was a, a good year for me. Yeah. <laughs> You've had a few good years, yeah. though. I'd say you know. Yeah. How do you say an Eddie or an Edie? Eddie. An Eddie. You yeah. won how many of, the, of those? No, I just have one Eddie. I've been mm -hmm. nominated a few times, but mm -hmm. uh, but one Eddie, and that was the same year as the the right stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was a. Uh, in 2001, yeah. you got a uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Right. That, that means you're old, man. <laughs> <laughs> it means you've done a lot. That's what, It's been a fruitful life. That's what that means. Can you explain what the initials A-C-E mean? Sure. American Cinema Editors. Okay. And it's an honorary organization mm -hmm. that you, are, uh, you can join by applying and then being voted in. And you have to have a... A, uh, a minimum amount of credits that are recognized as being somewhat, uh, yeah, viable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's an honorary organization. We, pre we present an editing award for, in, for television as well as for features mm -hmm. every uh, every year. The uh, the party that we have every year at the Beverly Hilton, and I think this year is the 54th or 55th, somewhere in that is the third high, the third oldest uh, uh, award show in uh, in Hollywood. Wow! And it's a usually a great, great show. We have uh, wonderful MCs and yeah, it's a wonderful time. Great. Uh, is that then? That's different from the Editors Guild. Editors Guild is only that. It's a guild. It's like mm -hmm. a, a union, a labor union. Yeah, something that's like, what, yeah. exactly mm -hmm. what it is. Right. Okay. And uh, I belong to that, of course, but my. Uh, my involvement with it is a nil. <laughs> you know, I send them the, the necessary dues and just uh, leave me alone. Now you're also a, a regent, is that it, on the um, Academy of Motion no, Picture No, I'm a governor. Governor? Yeah. And, and what, this, what is that exactly? Governor, well, each, each craft in the filmmaking idiom, uh, 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 if you will, has a governor representing it. And mm. uh, there are three-year terms, so there are three governors one one uh, uh, expires every year, and a new one is elected every year. So I mean, you can you can come back. In fact, this is going to be my when I finish this term, it'll be my fifteenth year. So I've been done five different times uh, uh, elected. Wow. Um, and it's uh, you you represent your craft in the uh, in the motion picture business, and we have our meetings at the academy every uh, oh, about eight between six or eight times a year, mm -hmm. and uh, discuss the business of the academy, which is. 
quite a business. Yeah, and, I'd uh, say so. <laughs> and determine who gets the awards in mm -hmm. terms of the uh, the honorific awards, not who who wins, because we right. never we never know that. Mm -hmm. That's totally on the up and up. Okay. What is um, what do you feel as far as the direction that movie making is going in in the editing um, booth? How how is that? Do you think it's a good thing that the way it's going all seems to be going digitally, uh, or do you think that's a bad thing? Or no, I, I don't mind it? the fact that it's going di digital. Or any, the the story is everything. Mm -hmm. What I don't like, and it might be a re reflection on my age or whatever, is that the the audience is no longer allowed to look at an image for more than 1.6 seconds or something. The cuts mm -hmm. fly back, and everybody mm -hmm. thinks that's very... Editing is not making fast cuts. Mm -hmm. Editing is learning one not to cut. Mm -hmm. right. you, know, right. you know, let the scene play. It's the emotion mm -hmm. of the scene. Making a lot of cuts is just bullshit. There's mm -hmm. one thing that you said that, that interests me. Um, once you said that um, you want to... How, how did you say it? Um, give the audience peripheral vision. Give them continuous peripheral vision. I don't know if I said something like that, but the audience, the audience should be allowed to. How would you say not peripheral vision, but certainly the scope of the of the storytelling. In other words, I, again, depending on what what the material I have to work with, um, the audience should be. Let me give you, you asked for a little, a little mm -hmm. bite. And I've, when I've talked to students about cutting film and so on, I said, perfect example to me of what an editor is confronted with okay. is not the, the reams and reams of film with hundreds of thousands of feet of film. In fact, I've worked on a picture that we had a million three hundred thousand feet of film printed. I mean, so God knows, it just went, <laughs> it went on forever and ever. <laughs> I, uh, well, we'll and this is real this. film. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, this <laughs> is uh, okay. color wow. film. If you have a, let's say, the most simple situation, a boy and a girl, and the guy looks at the girl, and he says, I love you. Now, editing choice. Do you cut immediately to the girl getting the reaction that she wants? Or do you stay on, on, on the beat on him, maybe a couple of extra beats, I love you, for that extra intensity, for does it mean more? To, that's an editorial choice. But it changes the scene, depending on how mm -hmm. you play it. So, as an editor, you can play these scenes, and you can by adding a couple of beats, uh, of, you can strengthen the, the the drama. You can do an, any number of things. Yeah, with just a, little a little bit little of suspense, I suppose. So, yeah, exactly. What is she going to suspend a moment say? rather than just going yeah. right to it? Exactly. And mo most people who cut, uh, I'm not going to say all editors, but most people, it's the, the moment, get, move, move mm -hmm. the pace, get the gun. Right. You know, Especially you can, now. Oh, it's just, and it's right. probably based yeah. upon video games. I mean, yeah. people, yeah. kids especially, their yeah. minds just jump from one thing yeah. to another. Yeah. So they don't have the attention span they That's used right. to. I think also a lot of times people are just, like when I started just editing, um, I just thought, oh, you you show the person saying their line and then you show the other person saying their line <laughs> yeah. or whatever you don't realize you've even though you've watched thousands of movies you don't realize that you're not always looking at the person right. who's talking yeah. it seems that what you're yeah. saying is what you want is you are trying to stimulate the audience's emotions sure and that's really your goal so your cutting um, is governed by what effect that cut will have on the audience exactly. and moving it so if you think in terms of, let's say, a, uh, a courtroom, courtroom drama, uh, difficult to cut because you've got to keep all the elements alive. You've got the, 
the bad guy, you got the good guy, you got the judge, you got the bailiff, you got the mother, you got the father, you got the girlfriend, you got the, you got the dog. I mean, you got all these people in the, in the courtroom that you have to keep alive. And each time you cut to them for a reaction, there better be a reason. There better be a reason. Is the, is the uh, defense lawyer saying something that directly affects the client and so on? Is that also affects the mother? Who's a, mm -hmm. So you better know where you're going to go on within mm -hmm. the, a certain framework. And each cut is an obvious choice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's... Uh, Courtrooms, dinner scenes around a table, stuff like this, and card games drive you nuts. <laughs> because card games, you got the option, do you show the card, or do you show the rays, or do you do this, or do you show the eyes, do you show the da 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 mm -hmm. Dining room scenes, nobody, you know, they're smoking, especially the ashes are this long on one cut, and the next cut is, you know, and then the milk is there, and the milk is not there. And, and so if you're cutting a dining room scene, and you say, oh, let's get rid of those three lines in the middle, they're just repetitive, we say it on the... So you take those three lines out, well, all of a sudden, the, the, the milk in the glass, boom, <laughs> because that's when the guy that's was right. drinking it. So, I mean, all these little cutting things and it's just, uh, that you live with, you know, you got to figure it out. Wow. Well, I guess that we should start um, um, rounding up now. Mm -hmm. Joel, do you have... Um, thank you for that thank um, you. film bite. That was a very good much. film bite. Now we need your film bite. Uh, my film bite is simply this. See if you can stand on the shoulders of greatness. Uh, read as many books by people who've made films, great filmmakers, people that you admire. Talk to people if you can. Uh, listen to film shots, of course. Absolutely. And uh, uh, you know, find out what has people have done before you, and then you know, maybe you can learn a little something. And let me say one little thing. Um, a few weeks ago, when we were filming um, um, one of our mus musician guests, um, I. Um, um, I won't say enthralled the audience, but let's say I played um, my first piece of piano, and it was um, uh, we, Joel asked the audience to say whose piece was by and the name of it, and we had one person who wrote us and told us who it was by. That's so right, that you're was right, Christopher McAlpern. Chris, you're right. It was by Beethoven, but you didn't know the name, name of the, the piece. So we still need someone else to call in with that name. Or actually email us. That's right. Filmshots at gmail.com. And I can hum it now for you if, if you like. Should I do that? Yeah, why don't you just Should I do that, Mr. Raw? I didn't have to suffer through this. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. No. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, that's enough. You should be able to get it from that. There's our little bit of trivia. This is um, Jesse Rines and Joel and, Marshall, and we were going to thank Mr. Tom Roth, editor extraordinaire, for appearing with us today on Film Shots. All right, that's it, folks. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Bye.